Well, again, welcome to our Apostolic Prophetic Empowerment. I'm going to be your instructor for your teacher, your messenger for tonight, Apostle Delisa. Uh, as you can hear, I've been in instruction mode um, all week. Amen. Praise God. And so we're going to continue doing what thus saith the Lord. So tonight, uh, we're going to go directly into the word. Praise God. If you have your Bibles or if you have your mobile device, I want you to open up with me to the book of um, 2 Kings. And um, we're going to look at 2 Kings chapter 5, and then we're going to look at 2 Kings chapter 13. So if you want to just uh, sort of dog ear that, um, 2 Kings chapter 5, and then we're going to go into 2 Kings chapter 13. And so tonight we're going to talk about when truth leaves a scar. When truth leaves a scar. And my subtopic is surviving relationship disappointments. At the beginning of the year, I taught a series on... Um, I believe it was entitled Toxic Relationships. And um, it was it was a blessing. Somebody was asking me if I was going to do that, do um, relation, um, series again in 2022. And um, I'm just waiting for the Lord to give me some instruction on that. But nevertheless, um, this is a part of um, a course that I teach in um, our Soteria Apostolic um, Biblical College on human relationships. And so, um, but the topic tonight is when truth leaves a scar. And then we're looking at surviving relationship disappointments. So before we actually get into the word, let me give you a little bit of context on human relationships um, that we will experience disappointment. We will experience heartache, heartbreak because we're all human and we're all um, subject to fail, okay? And we need the Lord. We need the Lord every day of our lives. And um, even in our best, even on our best day, it is not unusual to harm or wound somebody, you know what I'm saying? Whether it's, hopefully it's not intentional, but sometimes unintentional, um, you know, we, we end up inflicting wounds and, and harming people. And so, you know, that's something that we need to be cognizant of, we need to be sensitive of, and we need to ensure that we're being led by the Holy Spirit. Now, not only that, even in being led and being careful and being aware, things can still happen because sometimes um, some of our actions and words can be misinterpreted. And so with that, just understand that, uh, you know, we all have a responsibility to try to rebuild, right? We try to um, be mature in the way that we handle conflict and so forth. And so when we look at uh, relationship disappointments, it's going to happen. Um, it, it doesn't matter how well and meaning your intentions are. Um, it, it, it's going to happen. And so how you navigate through that, how you maneuver through that, um, and we're going to look at that tonight in the lives of Elisha and Gehazi. Um, and then we're going to look at Joseph and his brothers as well. And then we'll talk about you and me. Um, and we'll make this word, you know, relevant to, to, to today. Um, but it, we will experience those uh, disappointments. And so the truth of the matter will leave a scar. And as this is going to be our last midweek um, uh, service before the new year, I really wanted to talk about that. I wanted to talk about how we have processed or how we have uh, ignored the process of healing from some of the scars that we have uh, been, um, that we've experienced as a result of some of these painful truths that we've experienced in relationships, that each of us have experienced in relationships. Um, truth does leave a scar. Many times we'll tell people, hey, tell me the truth. I just wanna know the truth, right? And even the scripture said, you know, um, uh, the truth will make you free. It will make you free, but truth can also leave scars. Truth can also be painful. Um, oftentimes in my messages, I will say that this is going to be a hard truth. So even though it's a truth, it doesn't always mean that it's going to be soothing to your ears and a medicine to your spirit. Sometimes even the truth can inflict a wound um, and can leave scars. Um, there was a truth that Jesus identified and experienced on the cross of Calvary. We know that God so loved the world. John 3, 16, God so loved the world. He gave his only begotten son. Who should believe on him, should not perish, but have everlasting life. That was the truth. And Jesus said, I am the truth. But we know that Jesus also incurred scars because he was the truth and the truth was rejected. The truth was crucified. The truth was buried. And so again, knowing the truth doesn't always mean that there is... Um, a positive feeling that comes behind that. Sometimes truth can be painful when you find out things, when you hear things, when you discover things, when you experience things, it can be painful. And sometimes some people would rather not know. 
because they do know that finding out the truth can be very harmful and very hurtful. So let's go into the word tonight. I wanted to just kind of preface the message. And again, I solicit your prayers because I am pressing through tonight because I've got to release what the spirit of God is saying to the church. So in Eli, uh, we find ourselves in 2 Kings <laughs> chapter 5, verses 20 through 27. And I pulled it out of context um, just so that we could focus on the meat of the message. But you will need to sort of understand the background. So if you're not familiar with what happens here, I encourage you to go back and read 2 Kings in its entire um, chapter 5, even verse 4 in its entirety so that you can get a better understanding if you need to, okay? But here you find something that's taking place. Now, let me set this up for you. Elisha is the prophet of God. He served under Elijah. And um, Elisha was Elijah's armor bearer or his adjutant. And so as Elisha began to go forth and do the work of the ministry, God saw fit to, um, for Gehazi, who was the Bible said, Elisha's minister or armor bearer adjutant or assistant, however you want to term it, um, God saw fit for Gehazi to work along, walk alongside Elisha because of the work. He needed that support. He needed that, um, he needed that uh, assistance. And so what's happening here, the Bible talks about a man called Naaman. Now, Naaman was a general in the army and Naaman was, um, had leprosy. And so to summarize this again, if you don't have the background knowledge, you got to go back and get it. Um, but at any rate, Naaman was encouraged to uh, contact or to come in contact with Elisha so that Elisha could heal him of the leprosy. Well, Elisha did, and it, that was a very animated situation. I love it, but I'm not going to go into that right now. But it was animated. The whole the whole healing thing was very animated. Um, Elisha didn't necessarily want to do it. And as a prophet, trust me, there are things that God will require you to do that you don't want to do. Not every assignment is going to be one that you jump up and down and say, oh, me, yes, God, send me, I'll go. Some of these assignments, you know, you may have to kind of you know, toil back and forth before you actually go and do it, right? And so Elisha did not want to do this with Naaman, but he did it, amen, Naaman was healed, and that was that. Well, Naaman was so grateful for his healing that he, uh, it was in his heart to be a blessing to the prophet, nothing wrong with that, he wanted to be a blessing because the, the, the breakthrough and the healing that he received from at the hand of Elisha enabled him to return home and to live an abundant life, right? And so he wanted to be a blessing to uh, Elisha. Elisha wanted no parts of it. He didn't even want to do it, to be honest with you, but he didn't want any parts of it. But Gehazi was there and Gehazi overheard and Gehazi oversaw. And so if, this is where we find ourselves here in 2 Kings 5. And again, for those of you just joining us, we're talking about when truth leaves a scar. And so Gehazi goes behind Naaman after Naaman Elisha says, hey, I don't want anything from you. I don't want it. But Gehazi determines that, hey, you know, I see a benefit here. I see something that I can use personally. And so he goes after Naaman. And the Bible says here in verse um, 21, chapter 5, 2 Kings 5, verse 21, Gehazi followed after Naaman. And so Naaman sees him running behind him and he turns around because he's thinking, okay, well, maybe Elisha changed his mind. And um, Elisha didn't, you know, but that's what Naaman was thinking. That was his impression. And so, but when he encountered Gehazi, he finds out, um, Gehazi says to him, let's see where we are. Verse 22, Gehazi lies. <laughs> he lies. And he says, my master sent me and said, um, you know, there's two men coming that could use some clothes or what have you and some, some money. So in other words, you know, Gehazi comes up with this lie and this deceptive, manip manipulative plot to take gain from something that uh, he had no part of. And so, but Naaman does it out of the kindness of his heart because he doesn't know any better, right? However, the Bible says later on that when Gehazi returns home, now Gehazi hid it. He hid it, okay? And um, Elisha picked it up in the realm of the spirit. Remember, we're still talking about when truth leaves a scar. And let me just kind of stop here and say this. Sometimes if we've done this, we're asking God, Lord, show me this person's heart. Lord, show me who's for me. Lord, expose my circle. You know, we pray all these prayers. I prayed it too. And I'm, I've grown to be, you know, listen, when I pray it down, I'm like, Lord, not only expose it, but can you please prepare me for what I see? So let's, let's just, if I can just provide that for you as a prayer point, 
Don't just ask God, Lord, show me the people hard. Show me my friends. Show me those in my circle. Show me those who have my best interest. <coughs> Excuse me. Who have my best interest at heart. Don't just ask God that, but prepare yourself for what will be revealed. Please do yourself because Again, truth will leave a scar and contingent upon what God shows you, it can be devastating. Remember when Jesus was praying in the Garden of Gethsemane and he was there with the 11 at the time. Judas had already, um, uh, you know, de uh, what is the word, uh, departed. And, um, and uh, Jesus said, hey, can you not pray with me? Watch with me for one hour. And that was a painful thing. He could not get with these people he spent three and a half years with, trained them, ate with them, slept with them, held nothing back from them, provided, defended, tutored, mentored at the time when he had a need, a very pressing need in his life. His hour had come, his hour of testing, his hour of tribulation had come. And at that moment, it was exposed and it was revealed to him the hearts of the people. And it was hurtful. It was so hurtful. It was so devastating to know that at that time when he needed his 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 circle, let me just say that the most uh, they weren't there. They let him down. And so when, when I say that truth can leave a scar, sometimes you think that you're moving forward with a band of people who really have your best interests, whether it's your family or your co-workers or your friends or your business partners or your church friends or what have you, you know, you, you under the assumption, oh, I've, they're with me, you know, my, my posse, my group, my boy, my girl, they're with me. But then in an hour of temptation and in an hour of trial, you will find out who's really there for you, right? <clears throat> and so Jesus found that out, not only in the heartbreak of him having to face Calvary and all that that, that had to come, he knew the enemy was coming. He told them the enemy was coming. But in an hour of truth, it, the scar, the pain was that I'm alone. I'm by myself. Those who I thought were with me were not with me. That's a painful thing, people of God. And, and one of the reasons why I felt pressed, is, let me tell you, I, I'm, <laughs> I'm leaning on Jesus. Amen. And I'm depending on the anointing strong, um, you know, is, is that as we move into this upcoming year, 2022, and as we close out 2021, we, we have experienced some things, right? Our nation have experienced some things. We have experienced some things. Some of us have lost, I mean, have suffered tremendous loss. And there were scars as a result of that. <clears throat> now we as, as church people, let me just talk about my people because I know my people. We as church people, we have a tendency to speak in tongues over things and prophesy over things and put a seed on top of it and put a dance on top of it. And we'll keep moving as if all is well but all is not well, okay? And so and my prayer for you, by the time we get through, and I'm gonna take my time as much as God will allow me and give me the breath to do it. My prayer for you tonight is that by the time we get done, that you will confront those areas in your soul, in your soul, I feel the presence of God, confront those areas, because what I don't want you to do is cross over into a new year and, and give out these resolutions, you know? I'm not, I'm not taking the baggage from 21 into 22. I'm not taking the old foot. And we'll say that, and we sound real good and strong <laughs> when we say it, but we do it anyway. And we find ourselves repeating some of the same patterns. Some of us have repeated patterns of 2020 and brought them right on into 2021. And so what I believe God wants for us to buy the price is we, and, and it's just another day, right? It's just a, a, another minute on the, on the clock. But, you know, traditionally speaking, as you cross over, you do want to leave things behind that didn't uh, profit you, that didn't benefit you. You really want to mature and go on into perfection. And in order to do that, you do want to pause for a moment and look back. Uh, the Bible talks about when Joshua was, um, was taking Israel over to uh, Jordan and he told them, or was it most Joshua? He said, you know, uh, prepare your victuals, you know, prepare your, in other words, prepare, always prepare for this next season, whether it's a new year, new whatever, always prepare, prepare your victual, pack your bag. But listen, as you pack your bag, be intentional about what you take with you. You don't need to take all this with you. I travel a lot. Trust me, I travel a lot. I keep my suitcases. I mean, it's just, it's, it's always right there at the door of the attic. 
and you learn as you as you travel. Many of you, um, you know, travel a lot or what have you, and you learn how to pack. Now, I remember years ago, I went over to um, England and I was going to be there for about a week. And I had so much bad thing. I had like three suitcases and you people at the airport were looking at me like, clearly she does not travel. She's not used to traveling, right? Because that was my first <clears throat> overseas experience, number one. <clears throat> and that was my first time being gone as long as I was. And so I ended up in Germany, ended up in, uh, in um, uh, Amsterdam, ended up in, um, in North England. And so I'm, I've got like two suitcases and I'm over that bag. And, and it was a struggle, listen to me. It was a struggle trying to carry all of that luggage from getting off the plane, getting on the ferry, getting on the train. I mean, I had to take like four or five different modes of transportation to get to where I had to go. And because I was not, <laughs> I didn't know how to pack. I took all that luggage and it slowed me down. Now when I pack, listen to me, one bag, okay? And I know what to take. I know, listen, you learn how to travel light um, because you don't want that burden of carrying all that extra stuff. And so as you're crossing over into a new season, whatever your new thing is, and I'm going to get back to Elisha and get hazy here in a minute, but as you're moving into a new thing, whatever your new thing is, you got to learn how to pack, right? Joshua said, prepare your victuals. Learn what to put in your bag. Learn what you don't need. Some of what we're preparing to take over to 21, you really don't, 22, excuse me, you don't need it. So go ahead and start going through um, some of these experiences, human re relationship experiences, and determining now what you're going to take and what needs to stay behind. Okay, so here we have, and I don't know who that was for, but that's yours, you can have it for free. But in terms of um, when Jesus was about to cross over, right, <clears throat> he could only take John, the beloved apostle with him. And, and I'm not saying up to glory, but I'm saying that was the only person out of 12 and then 11, and then it got down to it. He said, hey, son, behold your mother, mother, behold your son. It was a painful truth for Jesus to acknowledge even at the time of his tribulation, the time of his passion, it was a painful thing for him to look around and see where are those, where are my followers, where, you know, where is my help? That's a painful place. So again, I say, you know, we want to know the truth, Lord, show me, God reveal, but you better also ask God to prepare your heart for what you see, because sometimes in asking the Lord, Lord, show me who's with me, show me, you know, like Moses said, who's on the Lord's side, right? Come over here. Sometimes in asking God that without preparing yourself for what you'll see it can be devastating it can be discouraging okay so ask the father in jesus name to show you you know who's with you yeah who should i pack and take with me in my relationship baggage or my relationship thing in 2022 but god also prepare me because some of what he shows you it can break your heart and that's where i'm coming back to with elijah and Gehazi. Gehazi had been with elisha for a period of time Gehazi was there with elisha when the woman um, son died. Um, this woman had built a porch, sort of a room for Elisha for whenever he came into town and the woman's son died. And again, you got to go back and look at the story because you know time won't permit. And Gehazi was there. Gehazi saw, Gehazi experienced, Gehazi knew the anointing that was on Elisha's life, just like with some of you. People know what's on your life. Listen to me carefully. People know what you carry. People know sometimes what your destiny is, what you're walking into. And I taught this in one of my courses a couple of days ago. And so sometimes folk will connect with you because of the fishes and loaves, like they did Jesus, right? They will connect with you because of what they see God doing in your life. They'll connect with you because of, of the anointing. Um, and, and some people, listen to me, some people, I did a message on lot. Some folks are connected and because of their connection with you, they're being blessed. Blessed by association, we often say. It's not so much what they're walking into, but because they're connected to you. Lot's, uh, Job's children were blessed because Job would intercede and pray, but then there came a time when they had to stand on their own two feet and they were found wanting. So understand this, people of God. We talk about human relationships because here's what, here's what I find out is that we, we, we chase after the anointing. God, and there's a class coming on the anointing as well, the sixfold purpose of the anointing. You, you, you don't want to miss that one. But anyway, we're chasing after the anointing. God, give me the anointing. Give me a double mantle. Lord, you know, release me as the prophet. Release me as the apostle. Release me as the pastor or whatever that thing is. But people of God, if you don't know how to survive relationships, it doesn't matter how anointed you are. It doesn't, doesn't matter what your vocation, your office, you will not stand. And you can ask Jonah about that. You will not, you can ask Diotrephes and many other leaders in the New Testament 
who fell short, Judas. You can so it doesn't matter what your title is. If you're unable to sustain and navigate through human relationships, your ministry, whatever that is, will be cut short. So in pursuing the spiritual things, do not forsake to seek God for the wisdom in human relationships as well. And that's a grace that God has placed in my life. Don't forsake to ask God for the wisdom in human relationships because there's no need for you to be anointed and <laughs> your character is so messed up that your anointing, it does not serve the kingdom. Okay, back to Gehazi and Elisha. Thank God, praise God. Thank you for your prayers. So <clears throat> you find here that Gehazi, as he's running after Elisha, Elisha sees it. God reveals it. He didn't have to call anybody. He didn't have to check anybody's Facebook page. He didn't have to put a tracking device in the car. The Holy Ghost is a tracking device, people of God. The Holy Ghost will reveal it. And so that's what happened is God revealed what happened, excuse me, with Elijah, with Gehazi. He revealed it to Elisha. Now look at 2 Kings. I think I'm here at, um, let, let's look at verse 24. And when he came to the tower, he took them and hid them in the house, right? This is what Gehazi did. He hid this. And then sent the men away, whoever traveled along with them, and they departed. But he went in and stood before his master. He stood before this person he was supposed to be submitted to. He stood before this person he was supposed to be serving. That was his assignment, to serve, right? And Elisha says to him, Gehazi didn't have to say a word. The anointing had already revealed what was taking place. Elisha said in verses, verse 25, where are you coming from, Gehazi? <laughs> Right. You, 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 don't you hate those questions? Like you, the person asking the question already knows the answer. And so Elisha's asking Gehazi, where have you been? Where you come from? And Gehazi lies again. This, listen to me carefully, because I was talking to the Lord about this last night. I said, you know, there are times when God, <coughs> excuse me, gives us space to repent, gives us space to uh, to come clean. That's the grace. We, when we mess up people of God, we have a grace period because that's the God that we serve. He's a merciful God. We have a grace period. And God, between the time Gehazi came home and hid the stuff and sent the service away was his grace period. When he stood before Gehazi, uh, Elisha, he had every opportunity to say, man, I got, I, you know what? My conscience is eating me up. I feel so bad. I feel convicted. This is where we look at how sensitive are we really in the things of God? How sensitive are we? How yielded are we? How submissive are we to the Holy Spirit when we can do someone wrong and stand before them as if we have done nothing? That's what the Bible says. We have conscience that are seared with a hot iron. In other words, you got to check your Holy Ghost. All right. Check yourself. Inspect your fruit if certain things that we do don't cause an alarm to be triggered in your spirit. And the more you do it, the more, um, the less, uh, what word I want to use, the less, is, you know, we, we become numb. Thank you, Holy Spirit. We become numb and insensitive. And you just do it now and it just, it doesn't even bother you anymore, right? So you find here that Elisha confronts Gehazi and he gives him an opportunity to confront and be truthful. Where'd you go? I didn't go. I didn't go anywhere. I didn't do nothing. And listen, you find people, who, me? I didn't, what you talking about? <laughs> I, I didn't go nowhere, right? That's your opportunity, to be honest. That's that's the grace of God being extended towards you to say, you know what? I did it, or I didn't, or whatever. And he said to him, verse 26, didn't my heart go after you? In other words, didn't I feel in my spirit that you that you betrayed me? You don't think I felt that? You don't think I, I, I picked you up in the realm of the spirit? You don't think I can raise some, a dead person to life, perform miracles, and be blind in terms of what's happening around me? Just because, listen, Elisha knew what Gehazi was doing as Gehazi was plotting it. Didn't Jesus said, Judas, whatever you do, to go do it quickly. He had already known. He said, did not choose 12, and one of you is a devil. And so a lot of times, again, our topic tonight is... Um, you know, when when uh, truth leaves a scar, sometimes you know people connected to you 
who are undermining you and who are being deceitful and who are, are um, betraying you and being disloyal. And listen, listen to me. And God will not allow you to say a mumbling word. Whereas you can say, hey, I know you get ready to do that. Don't do that. If I were you, I would do that. God, listen, that's the painful thing. I call it the burden of the prophet, right? When God reveals things to you and he'll require you, he told Daniel, now seal the book. Shut the book. Don't say a word. You, there are things that God has revealed to some of you. You know what's happening around you. You know things have been said. You know things have been done. And God will require you to carry it. You'll have to carry it. Just like Ezekiel, the Lord told Ezekiel, don't you cry. In other words, there'll be times when God will require you to maintain that, that negative emotion. You, you, you Listen, you got to be angry, but sin not. You have to hold it in. You got to hold your peace. Because there's certain things that have to transpire. There are certain things that have to take place. Jesus knew the moment Judas betrayed him, he could have stopped it. But it had to happen. It had some things, you all, people of God, men and women of God, listen to me. There's some things God will, especially those of you, those of you prophets and those of you prophetic people, especially my dreamers, my seers, you know, you see, uh, last week the Lord sat on the side of my bed. I was praying about some things and I felt his presence. I could feel the, the depression on the side of my bed where he came and sat down and he spoke. And I'm not at liberty to say what he said, but he, he my spirit was on edge because he said some things. And I, and I said some things back. I was talking to my, my apostolic mother, Apostle Ernestine, yesterday. And I was like, God was speaking to me about some things. And I said, Lord, <laughs> this is the way. Now, this, this is my way I talk to Jesus. I, I can't say y'all can do that. And I, I, I kind of confirmed, I said, Lord, I, you know, I kind of went back on some back and forth, back and forth. Abraham did it. When you're a friend of God, you can do that. Everybody can do that. But I kind of went back and forth because I was questioning God about some things. So sure enough, good God almighty, it just came right on the path, right? So there again, there are things that God will reveal to you that are not lawful for you to speak on. And let me just say this. I know this is not a school of the prophets, but the anointing of the teacher has been strong on me lately. As, as prophetic people, you can't say everything God reveals to you because some things have to unfold. Some processes have to take its course, right? And, and, and so even um, uh, 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 Peter, when Jesus told Peter, he was washing the disciples' feet and Peter was like, no, Lord, no, no. And Jesus said, suffer it to be so, right? And he said, forbid me, you know, he said, uh, forbid me not to do it. There's something, and he said, it, I must needs go through Samaria. There's some things you have to experience. It doesn't matter how anointed you are. It doesn't matter your title, how long you've been in ministry, people of God. There are some things that are part of your destiny. You have to go through. You have to go through it. Jesus said, Lord, if it's your will, it's cut past. There was no response from heaven. Then he said, nevertheless, right? Elisha could have stopped Gehazi. He did not. Elisha gave Gehazi an opportunity to tell the truth. He did not. And so he said, didn't my heart go with you? Verse 26. Didn't, um, he said, listen, when the man turned again from his chariot, listen, Elisha was so done with Naaman. I told you guys, he wasn't impressed by him at all. At all. He wouldn't even call a man by, by his name. He didn't say, didn't I see when Naaman jumped off the chariot? Elisha was so sharp. He was so sharp in the spirit. He told Gehazi what he did. He told, excuse <coughs> me. He revealed that it was a, a chariot conversation. He revealed it. Right? He wouldn't even call Gehazi, say, name and by his name. He was not impressed. He said, listen, didn't you don't think I saw when the man got off his chariot? You don't think I saw the money he gave you, the clothes? Listen, and the olive yards and the vineyards and the sheep and oxen. In other words, Gehazi had a plan. Gehazi was looking to benefit from the fruit of Elisha's ministry. People of God, listen to me carefully. <clears throat> there was an inheritance that Gehazi stood to receive. And I'm going to go to that in a minute when I told you all to go to 2 Kings 5 and then 2 Kings 13. There was a ministry through the works of Elisha that Gehazi stood to inherit. There was a passing of the mantle. There was a changing of the guards that was gonna take place. And that's what Gehazi, excuse me, Elisha alluded to. He said, you worried about money and garments and clothes. And he, he got, Elisha read Gehazi's whole intention on his heart. 
Your mind is on money. Your mind is on clothes. Your mind is on olive yards and vineyards. And, and I, in other words, he said, you're looking at being prosperous. You're looking at making money off of the back of my ministry. You're looking at prospering off of my vineyard, work, seed that I'm sowing. You're looking for that. You're looking to have people work for you. He exposed Gehazi's whole heart. And then he told him in verse 27, uh, he said, here, here, here. But it, another one said, that's what you're looking for, but here's what you're going to get. And he said, the leprosy that Naaman had, now he finally calls Naaman by name. The leprosy that Naaman had, since, you, since you're chasing things, since you're pursuing things, here's what you're going to end up with. That's a painful truth, y'all. That's a hard truth, right? That's a hard truth. He said, you're going after something, you're chasing after it, but here's what you're going to end up with. And don't you see that sometimes you find folk that can't wait on God and they jump out ahead of God and grab things and it's not what it looked like. Lot jumped out and he wanted that land. He wanted the green grass. And guess what he ended up with? Death, lost his family. His daughters raped him. And then a generation of Ammonites and Moabites that were enemies to Israel. I can go on with that. What I'm saying is, you know, is it hurt Elisha because Gehazi was, Elisha didn't have any family. He dedicated his entire life to the work of the ministry, to the work of, of the prophethood, okay? And so Gehazi <laughs> was like his son, was like his own, so his spiritual son, but, and, and, and not on that, but Gehazi stood, and I appreciate y'all for bearing with me. I know it's not hard. It's not, I know it's not easy, but I appreciate you for bearing with me. Uh, Gehazi stood to inherit all of, not just the clothes and the, the wealth and all of that stuff. Gehazi stood to inherit the mantle that was on Elijah. You know, you're talking about a pedigree. And, and I'm just going to say this as an apostle, because I've spoken to you. I've ministered to you out of a threefold anointing. I've ministered to you as a, as a teacher, as a prophet. Now I'm going to talk to you from the, from the mantle of the apostle. There's a pedigree that many of the people of God in this dispensation of churchness <laughs> have totally disregarded. Timothy, Paul talks about it. He told, he warned Timothy about, you know, how we have this generation. He said in the last days, there's gonna be this generation of people that are gonna break away from the pattern of fatherhood. They're gonna break away. He said, disobedience to parents, unthankful, unholy, all of that. Paul prophesied that. And he warned Timothy about this end time generation, last, it said last days, but this end time generation of people who will have a total disregard for pedigree. Now, if any of you are dog trainers or dog breeders or what have you, listen, uh, you, when you're selling, you know, your, your, your dogs or whatever, and I'm, I'm using, you know, I don't, I, listen, I'm not a dog breeder, so I may not be using the right terminology, just hear my heart, okay, don't get mad. If that's not the right word, well, I don't know, okay? But what I'm saying is, you know, when you're a dog breeder, you only breed purebred, purebred. You got a full-blooded, uh, uh, um, I don't know, pit bull. With a, with, you breed, uh, <laughs> I'm struggling, y'all. You're breeding full-bred, purebred with purebred to get purebred, right? A purebred. So when so when you somebody's out buying a dog, right, they, they want a, a, a purebred, uh, full-blooded pit bull or full-blooded whatever, I don't know about dogs and stuff, <laughs> you know, you, you let me tell you, so folks will sue you. People will sue you if they find out that they spent these thousands of dollars, because these purebred, man, full-blooded, purebred animals, th this is not something you find on Craigslist for $50. <laughs> you know, this, they cost, they come with the papers. And so with that, you know, because you, because you're buying that pure bloodline, hear me, when I talk about, when I, we say pedigree, you're buying a pure bloodline, pure blood, right? Um, and, and so when you say, hey, this is a full-blooded, uh, and I say pit, because I got a little baby pit, you know, full-blood, you know, you, you know, what you, and it's a, it's a, it's a, um, it's a prideful thing. And I don't mean pride, like, like lustful or fleshly pride, but a pride in, you know, hey, this is the double kind of dog you got, pit bull. You're like, have you ever seen people say you got full blood? And you're like, that don't look like no full blood. That don't look like no pit bull. That look like a mixture of a, a couple of dogs. And then what do we say? We call it a mutt. And again, if I'm using the wrong words, I apologize. But I'm just saying, you know, you call it a mixed breed. And, and people don't, they don't want a mixed breed. 
You know, if they said, I've got a chihuahua, it's a full-blooded chihuahua, not a chihuahua mixed with a Datsun, mixed with a Chimwee, mixed with a, a, a German Shepherd, mixed with a, a, um, a um, Doberman. You want a pure, okay, all right. The same thing is we're getting away from that, people of God. And that's a part of the apostasy. We're getting away. We're getting away from pure bread apostles, pure bread prophets, pure bread pastors, purebred teachers and evangelists. And what we're seeing now are mixed breeds, a mixture. Remember the Simon the sorcerer was trying to buy the gift, right? And Peter was like, your money perish with you. <laughs> Peter, that was the wrong apostle. That was the wrong apostle to have that conversation with. But I'm trying to, this is what's happening. You're seeing there's a mixture. And, and you know, praise God, praise God. I'm, I'm, Praise God. I'm just, I'm, and when I do that, I'm pulling myself back because again, there are certain things that I just, I'm just not going to get into, but I'm just saying to you, people of God. Okay. And I know I've kind of steered away, but that's what prophets do when we teach. We preach four or five messages in one, but I, I'm just saying we're in that dispensation of, of the church where there is mixed breeds and we've gotten away from the pedigree. Now it doesn't matter how long you've been in ministry. It doesn't matter whether you have a, an apostle or a spiritual father or a spiritual mother. It doesn't matter if it, now, you know, if you've got a word, that's my prophet, that's my mentor, that's my, that's my bishop. And I, for people like me who understands this, it blows my mind. I, I'm telling you, in other true authentic apostles that I, that I talk with, and we have conversations and we're like, I had one today, do you see what's happening? Yeah, we see what's happening. And it's heartbreaking. But you don't see the pedigree, people of God. You don't see that people now, uh, like for me, before I launched ministry, I served 11 years. You try telling somebody right now, <laughs> you're going to wait for 11 years. Oh, you're trying to shut down my anointing. You're jealous. You're trying to hold me back. They will fight you they, because they don't understand pedigree. Now, I'm not saying it takes that for everybody. I'm not saying that. It did for me. Right. And so with me, I can track. Right. Like, remember, I said about the pedigree with animals. You can track who the mother of the dog is, who the father of the dog, because the owners kept the paper. They kept the paper. Nowadays, you ask you, Jesus, people don't have a pedigree. Well, who who would you serve? Oh, the Lord called me out by myself. But you want to lead somebody. How can you lead? You never follow Right. Follow me as I follow Christ. You've got to be led. Praise God. Anyway, um, so we've gotten away from that and I'm going to get away from that because that'll take me into a whole nother thing that I'm not trying to get into right now. Praise God. So Elisha had pedigree because Elisha served on Elijah. Everybody knew it. Everybody knew who Elisha's spiritual father was. On the day that Elijah was taken away, what did Elisha say? My father, my father and the chariots of Israel. He acknowledged the other prophets at the five school of the prophets kept saying, you know, he's going to be taken away from you. You know, so there was no secret connection. I don't know where this stuff comes from. There was no secret connection. They, you know, praise God. I'm going to reel myself in. You know, everybody knew. Everybody knew that's her apostle. That's her prophet. That's her. That's his. Everybody. It was not a secret. I don't know where this new stuff comes from now. I just don't understand it. It's not biblical people of God. Anyway. There was a pedigree that was established for Elijah. <laughs> when, it, when it was Elisha's turn, there was a pedigree established for Elisha. Everybody knew, not just that, there were signs and wonders following. Elisha took the mantle, hit, I'm going somewhere, I'm still talking about the scars, um, when truth leaves a scar. And I'm getting ready to wrap this up, okay? And so, um, <laughs> When, when, when the mantle, when Elijah uh, went, was caught up in the, in the chariot and he dropped his mantle, Elijah picked it up. This was not some secret. Everybody saw this. Heaven witnessed it. Elijah caught the mantle, hit the ground and said, where is the God of Elijah? This is pedigree, people of God. You'll find throughout the whole book of Genesis, I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of pedigree, the God of fathers. All right. Jesus even said, I only do what I see my father doing. The father said, when Jesus came out of the water being baptized by John the Baptist, the Lord, the father said, 
this is my son. He established pedigree, all right? Pedigree has to be established. So when Elijah picked up the mantle, he hit the ground. Where's the God of Elijah? What happened? The water split and Elijah operated in twice as many miracles as Elijah. This is the pedigree. Now, it took me all day where I'm at to say this. This was what Gehazi stood to inherit. This was what Gehazi stood to inherit. <laughs> but because of things happening in his heart, he disqualified himself. Elisha called him on it. Elisha saw it. This was not a one-time thing. Back when the boy died and Elisha told Gehazi, go and, 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 and give the woman a word, the mother a word. And I don't want to get into that, but the way Gehazi accosted the woman was very disrespectful. He did not go forth in the spirit of Elisha. Elisha was very meek and humble and grateful toward the woman. That was not the spirit that Gehazi operated in. That was not the spirit, okay? And so Gehazi, uh, Elisha saw that. He saw that and he told Gehazi, get out of the room. I'll go and do it, right? Why could you not have prayed? You got the same anointing that I got. Why didn't it work for you? Why didn't the rod work for you? Because there was some things happening. There was some disloyalty and some things happened. Listen, the rod was troubled. The rod was troubled and it could not work. Just like the, when Samuel went to anoint David's brothers, the, the oil was troubled. It could not work because they were disqualified people of God. <clears throat> Hope you can hear me okay. <coughs> so now let's go into, uh, let's go into chapter 13. Right. Again, the topic is uh, when truth leaves a scar. So the truth of Gehazi's heart is revealed fully, fully revealed. There were things, you know, manifesting here and there. And just like Judas, you know, you see a couple of things. He's arguing about the money. Why this girl giving away this precious ointment? We could have sold it, right? You'll see, you'll see in different relationships that you have, you'll see things that are troubling, like mm, you'll pick it up in your spirit, you know? <laughs> excuse me, excuse me. You'll see things that'll trouble you in your spirit, but it's not time yet. It's not time, it's not time, it's not time. So you can't wait. That's why Apostle Paul talked about, you know, you can't be um, a brawler, right? In other words, when he's talking about those, the, the qualifications for the office, spiritual office, you can't have a brawling, contentious spirit. Every time something happens, you're ready to jump on and deal with some things. You have to have patience and let it run its run, run its course. Okay. <clears throat> Praise God. So here you find, I gave you 2 Kings chapter 5. Now let me tell you, remember I said that truth leaves a scar. And this is kind of my message. And I know I've taken a long way around, but I want you to get it. The Spirit of God is, is compelling you to really hear what God is saying to you. Okay as you move forward into 2022, or not just another year, but in your next dimension of relationships, whatever that looks like. Some things that I want you to keep in mind. This uh, exchange and interaction with um, Gehazi, it wounded the prophet. Listen to me, listen to me, all right? There are leaders, and let me talk to my leaders for a minute. There are leaders who are sheep bitten. They're sheep bitten. They're hurt. A lot of times, and I, I've got a book, I've got a manuscript that's been on my desk for years, actually. And the name of the book is Pastor Side. We talk about homicide, genocide, and femicide, but there's also a spirit of pastor side, P A S T O R C I D E. And this is a spirit that seeks to kill the shepherds through sheep bites. And nobody talks about that, okay? You know, nobody talks about that because we, 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 we're quick to talk about church hurt. And oh, I left the church wounded. I left, and hey, I've had church hurt. I don't know anybody who hasn't. So I understand that. But then don't just talk about it from one side of the fence. Also look at the leaders that were hurt as well. You know, some people don't know how to exit. Some people don't know how to give a benediction. So, you know, it's not just church hurt on the side of the parishioners, but you also have to look at church hurt on the side of the leadership who, listen, can't leave. <laughs> 
like, where am I going to go, right? I can't just leave and join another church. I birthed this. I got to carry this baby, you know? So if we don't look at that, we don't look at it. I'm church or church. Or, yes, we validated your pain. Yes, we are humans. I said that at the beginning. And we're not going to agree on everything. And we're not going to do everything right. Moses is a perfect example. However, let's also frame it from a balanced perspective and look at the leadership that many times are hurt as well, right? And we can kick the blame back and forth all day long, but I'm just bringing out a truth. In this instance, Elisha was hurt. He was hurt. He was so wounded, people of God. And this is what we're talking about. When truth leaves a scar, remember I said, those of us asking, Lord, show me those in my circle. Show me this, show me. You better ask God to also prepare you for what you see. Because some of what you keep see can wound you so bad <coughs> to where you give up on human relationships. Are you hearing me? You, 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 some, some people, and I know some leaders that are close friends of mine who have shut their doors and said, that's it. I'm done. I'm done pastoring. I'm done leading. I'm done. And, you know, and it's a tearful conversation. But they've been hurt so bad. They just, they they don't, they, praise God. <laughs> um, leaders can get hurt as well, okay? And so Elisha, listen to this. Elisha died never having recovered from the wound inflicted by his own son. How do we know? How do you know, apostle? How do you know, woman of God? Well, look at what happens in 2 Kings chapter 13. Now, I read 2 Kings 5. Here's 2 Kings 13. The Bible says, Elisha died and they buried him. It doesn't even give a name. When you look through our scripture, you will see different leaders. Like last night I was studying David when David was passing away. And um, about the, well, anyway, you know, you, when you look at the leaders and look at who was surrounding them, who was surrounding Abraham, who was surrounding Isaac, you know, you look at that, look at who's surrounding you at that time. Who's burying you, right? Who's, who's, Who's sending you away? I guess I could say that. Listen to what happens. Look at how Elisha died. This mighty prophet, mighty man of God. Listen to this, people of God. Look at how, how look at what happens. They buried him. Who are the they? <laughs> who are the, who, we, when Jesus was at his tomb, who showed up? Mary right? Mary Magdalene, they went to anoint the body, to perfume his body, and then encounter the angel. You go throughout the scriptures, and you look at these phenomenal great leaders, and who was present, and those that had followers, put it like that, and look at who was there, who attended to their home going. The Bible said, Elisha died, they buried him. Listen, and then the bands of the Moabites, talked about the Moabites earlier, they invaded the land at the coming end of the year. Listen, in verse 21, the Bible says, and it came to pass as they were burying a man, okay, the, the nation with the land was at war. There was civil conflict. They spied a band of men and they cast a man, this man, uh, they, had, they were carrying a dead man. Let me just put some more words, right? They were carrying a dead man and the nation with the land was at war. And listen, they had to run. And you listen, but Jesus said that they better dead, right? They couldn't run with a dead man. That'll preach. My God, that'll preach. You can't run with a dead man. And so they cast the dead man into the nearest grave that just so happened to be the grave of Elisha. They threw this, oh, let me say cast this man's body into the grave, right? And when the man was let down, he touched Elisha's bones. And guess what? The anointing was still resident on the bones of Elisha. What does that mean, Apostle? What do you mean by that? What I'm saying to you is Elisha was so wounded by Gehazi's continual disloyalty, continual betrayal, and that ultimate act of, of, of uh, manipulation, I guess I can say. He never trusted another minister, another armor bearer, another assistant. He carried that anointing to his grave. Remember what I said about pedigree and how things are passed down. He could never, he never took on another son. He never took on another, uh, you know, uh, prophet in training, another student, another, another pupil, 
another protege. He carried it, y'all. And there are people, I'm saying this to you right now. There are people, hold on, some of this ginger juice, ginger tea. There are some of us, let me just, let me include myself, who have been wounded by relationships, whatever that looks like. I'm talking about ministry because this is where we are. But it can be romantic, it can be business, it can be work-related, it can be whatever, family, whatever, that are so wounded to where you said to yourself, I'll never trust anybody again. I'll never let nobody that close to me again. I'll never, uh, whatever your I'll never is. <laughs> I'll never dot, 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 dot. Okay, the ellipse is behind it. I'll never do it again. i never, never do it. Because the hurt was so painful. It was so hurtful. You got scars, right? And you said you never trust again. And we find that taking place. Elisha never trusted again. He still went forth and did ministry. He still went forth and did the work, right? He did the work. He never trusted another person to walk closely beside him. And he carried that anointing to his grave. That anointing was so strong. Remember Elisha, excuse me, Elijah passed it. And immediately Elisha caught it. I activated it. Who is the God of Elijah? He activated it and it worked and worked on for him. Elisha didn't have anybody to pass it on to. And some of us are like that. Some of us, you, you, you've been so wounded and you're carrying the scars. And, and, and you know what? The scars are proof that you've been there, done that. Jesus had to show the scars. I talked about that in a lesson from yesterday. He showed the scars. He overcame it though. But some of our scars, you know, they're not the healed kind of scars. <laughs> they're the kind of scars, if you touch it, it's still bleeding. You know, it, I, think, I don't know what process to call it. But it's not the kind of scars where you can take the Band-Aid off and say, hey, you." some of us have the scars, but you got to keep the Band-Aid on. It's not, we, we're not healed from it. And we won't even let God heal us from it, right? And so there is, even in the truth of recognizing and acknowledging who's around you and who's connected to you, it can be hurtful when you find out the truth. But in that people of God, you can't let that hurt stop you from what God has in store for you. God had, I believe with my whole heart, God had another uh, prophet that Elisha could train and mentor and raise up as a son. I believe that with my whole heart. I believe God has someone for your next season, whatever that is. I believe that, however, you can't allow the hurt and the pain and the, 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 the anguish of that awful situation that happened, shut down any possibility of God blessing you in future relationships. You hear what I'm saying? Do not allow, as you cross over, whether you crossing over into 2022 with a new mindset or crossing over into a new relationship, new business partners, new whatever, whatever, don't allow the painful experiences of past human relationships to shut down what God wants to do. Yes, they treated you bad. Yes, they hurt you. Yes, they lied on you. They betrayed you. They shared your secrets. They stole from you. You know, humans are humans. That's why we need Jesus. And, and I'm not under um, uh, appreciating what you had to go through. But what I'm saying to you is don't let that stop you. I'm going to finish with this thought and then I'm going to close out. Okay. When you think about Joseph, you're talking about the scars of the, uh, when the truth leaves a scar. Joseph knew his brothers hated him, but my God, <laughs> I mean, have you, ever, have you ever, I know I have, that's why that was my, my truthful chuckle is I know that there are people who don't really care a whole lot, but I mean, do you really have to go to that level of extreme nonsense, right? Like, do you really have to do that? And so it was almost like with Joseph, I know my brothers don't like me. You know, and, and I'll accept my, my part of the blame in that as well. But did you really have to conspire to kill me, though? <laughs> you know, like, even with, with um, Kayla, um, uh, what's, oh, gosh, the brothers in the beginning of the Bible, uh, Cain and Abel. I they don't like me, but does it have to go to this extreme? Like, do we really have to do this? And so sometimes the truth, people of God, listen to me carefully. The truth of knowing how deep someone's hatred for you or someone's dislike or disdain for you runs I'm the truth of finding that out can cut you to your heart. Like, man, I didn't know you hated me. Like, I didn't know you felt like that. Have you ever said it to people like, man, I didn't know you felt like that. 
you know? <laughs> and, and the sad thing about it is, you don't find out when I was, the Lord was dealing with me about the message. And I was like, Lord, why we don't find out this stuff in the beginning of the relationship? Like that would kind of save a whole, whole lot of stuff if going into it. Like, I'm like, and here's what I told God. Again, that's just my conversation with him. I said, well, Jesus knew who his devil was. <laughs> why we got to wait two, three, four, five years or six, seven, eight months? Why we got to wait to find out who the devil is? Lord? like, why we got to go through this, right? And again, that's just my own little foolishness with the Lord. But I'm like, it would be so helpful. If we knew going into a career or going into a relationship or going into a ministry or going into a business that we knew who the devil was, like why you can't say I'm a partner with you, but in about two months, I'm a flip. Like that would be so helpful <laughs> because at least I know I got two months to, you know, to, to whatever. And then in that third month, I'll prepare for whatever the crazy stuff that's going to happen. The unfortunate thing is we don't get those kind of memos. We don't get that heads up. Jesus got it, but he's Jesus, right? We don't get those memos. We don't find out we got something crazy happening in our life until the crazy happens. And a lot of you hear me say, this is a season of crazy right here. So we don't get the memo until it happens. And so Joseph, he knew his brothers didn't like him, but did they have to take that dislike to that extreme? And so sometimes the truth of knowing how much a person really doesn't like you. I mean, you some people will tolerate you and just being adults, I call it adulting, we don't have to agree on everything. So we just tolerate one another, right? Good morning, how you doing? And we just let, we just be cordial. We don't have to be friends, we can just be cordial. But you'll find some people's dislike for you and disdain for you run so deep that they will take every opportunity they can to undermine you. That's a painful truth. That's a truth that leaves a scar and it will, uh, it will work. Let me have, let's see how I want to word this. It can affect your confidence in moving forward in new relationships. So this is why, again, these are areas that we want to start talking to the Lord about. You know, before we make the big prophetic declarations for 22 and all of that stuff. You know what, God? I went through a lot of painful stuff in 21. I went, uh, shoot, in 20 and on back, <laughs> you know, go back as far as you need to. But, you know, I went through a lot of painful things and I'm noticing patterns now. And, I, and look, we're just talking now, right? We're just talking. This is, we're just talking with the Lord. And I'm giving you prayer pointers. You know, I, I've noticed patterns. I notice that I connect with people, but I'm suspicious. I connect with people, but I don't really give it my full heart, right? Because of that thing that's happened. And so God wants to heal that tonight. Now, I'm not saying go into your new thing with your eyes wide shut. I'm saying don't allow painful past experiences shut down these new things that God wants to do for you. With Joseph, Exactly, Keisha, on, being on guard. People are very guarded, got walls, doors, padlocked. I mean, my God. You know, even, I think it's in Proverbs, uh, talks about a man with, um, oh gosh, in my own words, a guarded man is harder to be one than a city without walls, a city with walls. There's somebody that's so guarded up, I'm telling you, you can't get in. It's like a fortified, it's a fortified city the Bible talks about. You do, you look, you're buying them breakfast, you're buying lunch, you're doing everything. And it's like, nope, 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 because they've been so hurt. They got guards and it guards up, walled up. And there'll be a season you need to be guarded. Yes, yes. Jesus said, hey, don't touch me. I have not yet ascended, right? There are seasons when you need to be guarded, but that ain't supposed to be a perpetual season. You Sometimes you got to open the door and let people in. Anyway, finish up the start with Joseph. Now I'm going. Uh, <clears throat> he did not realize how deep the uh, dislike and the, the hatred hatred ran for him from his brothers until it manifested into their attempted murder and then, you know, sending him off into slavery or what have you. And so listen, it took all those years, you guys, it took all those years for Joseph to process that pain. And how do we know that? Because even when he reached part of, uh, the Pharaoh, it reached the mansion, okay, the, what do you call it? The um, palace. God still took him through a series of tests. If you, if you read that carefully, even with all of that, being enslaved, serving Potiphar, being in jail, serving all of that, it still took Joseph time. When he reached the palace, he had to go back and forth, back and forth. And he cried, the Bible said. He cried. When his, bro when his brothers left, he turned back and he cried. That thing, it, it scarred him. It scarred him. And God finally healed him. Why? Because Joseph confronted him. So that's it. That's all I have for you. I pray that 
oh, I pray that we've um, ministered to you, to you tonight through the word. The message was um, when truth leaves a scar. And we were talking about human relationships, disappointing human relationships. Um, it's going to happen. Okay. Prepare yourself. Get into the word. Take the time to heal. So you're not that person with the scar that still has a wrap on it, a bandaid on it. And then Jesus showed the scars. They were healed scars, right? I've got, as a little girl, you wouldn't know it. You know, I used to, man, let me tell you, I stay, I loved, I was, I, you know, I used to ride my bike all the time. I used to do little proper wheelies and all of that. And I landed on top of a fence, a barbed wire fence that tore my knees. That's why, I, well, praise God, I don't wear like short dresses and stuff. <laughs> both of my knees, I've got scars on my knees. I've got spiritual scars from years of praying too, but from that... I had a terrible, terrible back bike accident and um, it scarred up the, the barbed wires went through my knees and I've got terrible, terrible um, scars on both of my knees as a result of that. <laughs> now they heal, but they're still there. And that's why I can tell you the story without crying. I can laugh, right? Because I've been healed. And you know that you've been healed from your scars. When you can show them, you can talk about it and it doesn't hurt anymore, right? Uh, when Jesus showed his scars, it didn't hurt him anymore. And you know when it doesn't hurt when you're not mad at the people who caused those scars. If you're talking about scars and you still feel that root of bitterness springing up, the Bible says, whereby many have been defiled, you, you, you're crying, you know, feelings of hatred, and I'm going to get them back. If, you, if that's your thing, uh, my brother, my sister, you have not healed. And it's okay. Just own that process. Okay? Own that process. But it's a real thing. Truth can leave scars. And so don't be the person that lives like um, Tamar was, live in her brother's house for the rest of her life, never having stepped out because she couldn't heal from what um, Amnon did to her. All right, don't be that person. Yes, we're gonna be hurt. People are gonna do things to us. Let me tell you, the righteous will suffer persecution. People are gonna, listen, people are gonna do you wrong and think they're doing God a service. I'm telling you. That, that, that's just kind of where we are. And so, yeah, you, you want to be wise. Wise as a serpent, harmless as a dove. But when you do end up with these wounds, go to the Father and ask God to heal you and go through that healing process, all right? Um, don't skip it. If you ever play Monopoly, do not skip. Uh, uh, what do you say? Do not uh, pass gold. Do not collect $200 or whatever. Go through that process. So you don't end up like Elisha with all of that anointing in him. That, that's just from a ministry perspective. With all of that anointing in him to, to, to raise the dead and heal the sick. He did all of that, y'all. Come on. He did all of that. But he could not pass it on to nobody else because he was unable. As anointed as he was. That's why I tell people, just because somebody has a title doesn't mean they don't bleed. They pierced Jesus in the side. What came out? Blood and water. So, you know, if you're leading, it doesn't mean you, you get hurt too. You get hurt. You hurt too. And you have to own that. Um, so, um, Elisha, he, he, he couldn't recover in that area of relationship. He, the, the anointing still worked. Faith in Jesus' name still worked. But trusting somebody again, no. <laughs> he didn't do it. He couldn't do it. And so, Joseph, thank God, God processed him. God processed him, processed him in Potiphar's house, processed him in the prison, processed him in the palace. Still, you can get to the palace and still be processed. Don't act like just because you got to the palace, you've arrived. God was still processing him in the palace, people. Okay. So listen, I love you all. And um, I pray, I pray that uh, this, this word tonight <sighs> will touch you and reach you in the very depths of your soul. And I pray that um, your painful relationship experiences will drive you to a place of prayer, will drive you to a place of honesty and truth in prayer, but that it will not drive you to a place of, uh, of being shut down and unwillingness to, to move forward. I, I come against every enemy of your destiny that is attracted to the sores, the putrefying sores, the Bible calls it. Those gaping wounds, those bleeding, oozing wounds that some of us have right now, some of you listening to me right now, you are oozing. You, your wounds are oozing. 
And in the Old Testament, people like that uh, couldn't be around. Uh, they had to be excommunicated from the community because they were considered poison and toxin. But tonight, let there be a healing. Let the bomb of Gilead be released over your life and let it reach you and meet you in every area of your soul. For those of you who have been hurt in ministry, may God bring healing and understanding and revelation. Those of you hurt on your job, may God bring healing and restoration. May those that's been hurt in relationships, may God bring healing and understanding. Those of you that's been hurt in any other area, business, may God bring healing and restoration. Let healing be your portion, even as I'm claiming and believing God for mine tonight. Amen. Let healing be your portion. Amen. Do not allow the enemy to shut your destiny down because of what someone did to you. It's time to rise up. It's time to stand up. It's time to take hold of the gospel plow. Don't look back. Remain fit for the master's use as you cross over into whatever you're crossing over into. Remain fit. The Bible says, if any man put his hand to the gospel plow, look back. He's not fit. In Jesus' name, I come against any spirit that comes to render you unfit. I felt that. I feel the anointing. Any spirit, spirits of um, unforgiveness, hardness of heart, bitterness, uh, rejection, rebellion, spirits of uh, lack of confidence, spirits of fear that will come to render you unfit, I come against it right now. And I plead the blood of Jesus over you and rebuke the devil right now in Jesus' name, that you will remain fit for the messages. So we love you tonight. This is an opportunity now for you to give to sow into the word, sow into the work of the ministry. If you haven't already done so, you can give via text 980-222-0126. You can give via Cash App. Thank God for Cash App, right? Um, our cash tag is TLC Charlotte, TLC Charlotte. Or you can visit our website, tlcor.org slash giving and we bless your giving we bless your seed amen and we just command that the windows of heaven will be open over your life amen. and that the storage basket from which you have given your seed will never run dry so father we just bless and consecrate that giving now give to the giver you say you give seed to the sower bread to the eater so we thank you that your word lord god is forever settled in the heavens we bless you now and lord i bless everyone that <laughs> Their patience for me tonight, Lord God, just kind of bearing with the message, Lord, I thank you uh, that your will has been done, and we give you glory and honor for a finished work. In Jesus' name, God bless you all. Have a blessed night. We love you. God bless you.